Hey devs, you're tuning in to the debug log number 24. So have you ever sat back and wondered, how do I make a multiplayer game? Or better yet, how do I make my game networked and get it online? Well, in this episode, we talk about just that. We sit down with co-founder and sales director, Eric Peterson of Game Hosting AB, a company that specializes in bringing games online. So we talk about all things latency, redundancy, fault tolerance, server load, you know, bandwidth, all those different aspects dealing with networked games. We talk with someone who's been doing this for a very long time and knows exactly what he's talking about. So my suggestion is to grab some paper, grab a pen, and really listen in on this episode that's chock full of information about networking. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 24. You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about Unity game development. My name's Obino Parra. My name's Andrew Curry. And I'm Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. And your mind was probably just blown because we just switched it all up <laughs> on you guys. Uh, anyway, today's going to be a very special day because we have uh, someone with us all the way from Sweden, an interview uh, with Eric Peterson, who's joining us on the show to talk about all things servers, networking, latency, performance, etc. So welcome to the show, Eric. Hi, thanks for having me, Abina. Thanks. Yeah, so I've known Eric for a couple, a little, a little whiles now because he was helping us with, uh, like, like I've said on the show, I have a you know MMO that we're working on, and he's been helping us with our server and the backend stuff there. So we've just we're really excited to have him on the show to talk about all that stuff. That means you've known him forever because you've been working on that game. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm still waiting for my beta invite. That's all I'm saying. Trolling. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, whatever. Oh, I know. I'm not, I'm not disparaging you. I'm just saying you're working hard. It's a compliment. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Anyway. So yeah, back to to Eric. Could you, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Eric? Uh, I can do that. I can start with the company at least first. I mean, game hosting is, um, we are 13 years old now. Basically, game hosting was started kind of from <laughs> from like uh, a, a necessity to play games, uh, a urge, a need to play games. Because if you go back to the beginning of this century in Scandinavia, uh, you couldn't play any good games online. I mean, we did have the games, obviously, but yeah, playing online was really, really bad. So me and my co-founders, we were we are hardcore gamers and been since birth, I think. Problem was we could play with our friends online. So instead of waiting for somebody to fix this, we found out that, hey, we have got the skills. Let's do it. So we did it ourselves. Basically set up a platform for hosting games, private game servers, even virtualization back then, actually. And just, you know, just little, little, little inside information there. Cloud has existed for many, many years. It's just changed name. It was called virtualization before. So basically started with the ga- private game servers, became large on that in both Scandinavia and Europe. Also one of the companies that was introducing and forming esports in Europe. 
you know, together with companies like ESL and others. Since then, we have moved out of private game servers and focused solely on um, business to business and helping companies, uh, game companies, game developers, game publishers, solving their technical challenges in how to bring a game online and deliver good gameplay to the end users. So that's a bit of a short story on, on us. Uh, myself, I am this, uh, the um, sales director, but I'm also the co-founder. I got this role uh, in a sales director, even though I'm also a light techie, you could call it, because I'm the guy that actually uh, is always have done sales, I guess, in a way. So the, it was uh, kind of natural. I've been working in sales now for 20 years, I think. That's a bit about me. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. So yes, I always love like when I hear how people getting to, I guess their passion for life is, you know, usually, I guess whatever they're doing for a business is usually hopefully driven by their passion for life. So how that need for wanting to play games online with your friends just kind of birthed this aspiration to start a company that does just that. And then eventually started helping other people do that. So that's, that's really cool. I love hearing those kind of stories. In reference to, you know, helping studios and helping other businesses or indie developers get in their game online and networked, what are some of the things they should be thinking about as far as, you know, the server's ends? Like, or what do you need to be thinking about? What would you tell this new indie developer? It depends on when he comes to us. Being um, a, a full service company like us, meaning that you don't just get a server. We are, you know, we're not a company you go to if you're just going to rent a server. You know, uh, you come to us for more. You come to us for for help, for knowledge, a, a range of other different services that that is also involved in uh, you know hosting online games. So it depends a bit on on you know, in the, if you look at the life cycle of your game, when do you talk to us? When do you come to us? And we have a lot of different ones there. I mean, you mentioned now in the introduction here that uh, you know you guys uh, came knocking on the door, and you came knocking on the door quite early. I mean, because I think you've been with us now for a year, year and a half and, uh, or something like that. <laughs> Some come to us early, you know, early development stages, pre-alpha, because they also want knowledge on how to, you know, uh, what tools to use, uh, how to set up, how to think about solving the online part. Because... If you're looking at different games, uh, the online part is quite crucial because that is actually what delivers the game to the end user, uh, meaning it becomes a large part of your uh, of of the gameplay experience. I mean, the game and the game itself and how that works, sure, but also how you actually take that game and deliver that experience to the end user because the end users are often very far away geographically. That you know brings a, a lot of interesting challenges to it. So, my suggestion or or my advice is, think about it from the start. If you know that you're gonna make an online game, think about that. B- basically, say that I'm making an online game, so I have to think about how am I gonna solve this. What type of game is it? Uh, what markets am I gonna re- reach? What requirements uh, am I gonna have? Uh, look at that and basically have that in mind as you develop the game. And in terms of what you actually need, that is basically you know that comes. Uh, 
as a part of the game development cycle, uh, when you're developing, you will know more and more what you need. And that varies a lot from game to game uh, uh, because old games are different in a sense. So, you know, if it's mobile, tablet, MMOs, FPS, you know, console, computer, games are creative. It's artists, artistic, meaning that people that make them like yourself are artists. That also means that there is also always a personal touch. There is also this artistic touch to it, which makes games different. And that also translate into the services that we provide. Because that means that your game will act differently than your colleague's game when it reaches the online part. Did that answer your question? I hope. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> it did. Uh, so yeah, it's just uh, you know getting a gauge of um, you know what I guess what to what to expect. Like say if we were to if an indie developer or or any other studio were to look into you know coming into a partnership with game hosting, what would they expect to? I guess, you know, what are their expectations uh, with that kind of service? Uh, so, yeah, you did. So you just basically described it as like a full service, you know, game hosting company where they, you know, you, you depending on where the, the user comes to, you, you could either walk with them, you know, hand in hand from the beginning and just, you know, coach them into at least what to think about conceptually when, you know, creating this online game or just, you know, provide them with, you know, just a little bit of guidance, you know, as far as that development is, since you guys are the experts when it comes to, you know, networking back in and server back in, which actually leads me to another question about... Oh, like, Obina, before um, you go to another question, I want to keep on this one. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I went to um, your website, um, Eric, gamehosting.com, and mm -hmm. I'm looking at the services that you provide. It says Marsman and monitoring, infrastructure and network design co-location yep. services, ISP services. And the one that grabbed my attention um, was the infrastructure and network design because it says that maybe an indie game developer can come to you with a solution for his game. You take that solution, analyze it, and make sure it's oriented to performance and has a, it's a well-designed solution. I think that's pretty useful for every game developer that want to host their game with you because yeah. i mean it's it's part of um actually also our website there is a new website coming and i don't have a eta on it, it does have a bit more details on these parts that you're talking about but it's part of what we call game operations so when when developers come to us and you know the first thing we do is basically have a conversation about their game so that we learn about the game and uh, and uh, get inside your heads as developers describe the game explain the game show us the game even if there is something to show depending on you know when you come in and talk to us and then look at the the different requirements and the different challenges that that maybe is there basically analyze that and utilize that in when you build the solution because we can tailor uh, our solution can tailor all parts what what we deliver so that it fits the game perfectly meaning you know uh, if you have a game that uses a lot of cpu okay then we use money on cpu not on memory you know Because it has to be cost efficient as well as optimized towards performance. I mean, you have to balance the two. You cannot just throw money at something. You have to balance, find out where you actually 
use the money? What, what is what, what is where, where do we have to use money on your game? You know what what is, what is crucial for your game, but also what is important uh, is to actually know about. What is your game's bottlenecks? Because all games have bottlenecks. Even doesn't matter how good you make the code, there's always going to be bugs. And you guys know this. You have been developing games for yeah. many years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's always bugs, and there's always bottlenecks. By actually, by for example, performing something called like uh, application optimization monitoring, you can actually uh, uh, find the bottlenecks. And we, we can then advise you on, first of all, you know, here's your bottlenecks. Two, this is what, how you could solve them. But it also brings in the knowledge of when you start scaling, when you actually start testing your yep. game, g- getting into mm-hmm. beta, getting into closed beta, uh, uh, open beta, uh, you, uh, and also launch. You know exactly where your bottlenecks are before they happen. So, so that means that you can scale correctly as well. Because scaling is not just scaling; it actually has to be done correctly too. Yeah, you see, when I have people like you in the show, I'm I'm really proud because these type of services are the ones that make the difference. Where you take care of your clients, it's not like renting a server and that's it. No, you make sure that the game is going to work to have a, a strong network behind. So that's well, it's awesome. also such an essential thing, though, because I mean. I think as players, you take you take all the network things and online play for granted. You're like, my Xbox Live is not working. This is crap. <laughs> and you're like, but you just take it as like, it's a right. I, mean, I guess we do pay for it. So that is, but it's such a, every game needs to have it. So getting into game devs, you're like, yeah, I'm sure they got plugins and stuff for that. It's going to work fine. It's like, no, you need to be a network engineer. <laughs> if I wanted to be that, I'd be that and not a game developer. So it's, it's an impenetrable, just array of different disciplines that are needed to get that to work right. And if it's something people expect to work to work 100% of the time, then the solution like this is way better than trying to wade into that field on your own. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like with game hosting, it's it's like you're getting you're getting the consultancy and you're getting the service, you know, like the server back end stuff. So you're getting the both of or the best of both worlds when you, you know, when you're talking with uh, about game hosting, which is really awesome. Um, another a question, like I said uh, before, Eduardo interrupted me about oh, like. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I'm curious, like, what's the level of competency that is like kind of required or expected of a game developer that were to come to you? Like, do they need to be? you know, server, you know, a little bit of a server guru to understand like how to manage their own servers or, you know, what level of competition do you, do you guys expect? Or is there, you know, any and anyone really, and you guys would just coach them through. So basically what we uh, can do is that we can operate the game from a backend point of view completely. So, so you can get that service from us. We have many different companies, and uh, the the competency uh, with you know our clients and companies out there is is different, right? Uh, some has knowledge in this area, some don't. You don't require knowledge here, but you you need to have knowledge in in making the game. You know, make, making the game from. From from both play side, but also networking side, in the sense of you know network code and stuff like that. Even though you have plugins that helps you a lot there, but still, I mean, we don't touch the code, the game code. I mean, we're not a game developer. 
that is a difference, right? I mean, because what we are good at doing is helping you bring that game to your end user and do that correctly. That's what we do. So it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. So you make your game and you focus on making your game the best and we will focus on how to deliver it as best as possible to the end user. What you're getting is like a, a extended arm of your own team, but pure high-grade back-end tech, right? There is no DevOps here. You know, the, 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 this is pure hardcore uh, ops. So I, gu I guess that's what you get. So, so coming in is all flavors, you know? We look at what you know and what you want to do, and then we tailor the service accordingly. We take care of the parts that you don't know or help you even on the parts that you do know, but we can, you know, help you improve it. Perfect. Yeah, it sounds good. Speaking of like, say the the indie developer, who I think a lot of our you know listener bases, um, say I want to make a network game. When should I consider getting a server, or whether, or if I should get a server? Like what, like what are like some of the I guess criteria for you know when to get a server? Like when should I start thinking about networking with my game? When is the appropriate time? I, I would say that you should start thinking about it straight away. When you're making your game, you have to think about that this is a game that is going to be playable online. Even when you do your first thoughts, that I mean, if you know that your game is going to be online, think about it from the start. I think that is a good thing uh, in terms of developing the game. I mean, approaching us and getting the server parts and everything, again, that depends a bit on uh, 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 what you need help with. Uh, I mean, as you know as well, uh, sometimes you can get in really early, like for example, you guys did, or you can actually uh, you you know wait until your, uh, for example, uh, alpha stages or closed beta stages. We also have clients coming in at that point. We also have those that comes a couple of weeks before launch and saying, "Oh shit, yeah, we need servers." <laughs> <laughs> so that also happens but for an i think from an indie developer point of view it's also a bit about budget what budget do you have right because we are a business it does cost a little bit at least so it depends a bit on that as well but again we will be able we will be there to help you and what you do get is all our clients have uh two senior technician attached to them as, like an, uh, uh, as an account. And these guys, they are, you know, more, they have been operating games for more than 10 years. They have, you know, computer master science degree, computer science master degrees or more. <laughs> and, and, you know, they've, <laughs> and they've uh, you know, operated more than 100 games and they even have a like, Guinness World of Record, you know, hmm. uh, in between them. So what's the, what's the record for? Uh, most dense FPS server. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> uh, and that was that was on um, yeah, that was Unity actually, but uh, using much different backend. So it's much different that had the Guinness World Record, but we were operating it for them. So it happened on our uh, you, you know our infrastructure, and we helped them operate it. So I think it was uh, one thousand users on uh, one single FPS server. Wow. I did, I do think Wargaming beat that record though, or something later on, but uh, I'm not completely sure. I, mean, I think it was Wargaming that beat that record. <laughs> so yeah, 
That's that's really it. Kind of brings in the question like <laughs> scalability. I know, like we were, you're saying, you know, as a developer when you're developing this network game, you know, planning for a network game should be something that you start from the onset of the project. Um, but also, is, is, does, is the same true for like planning for scalability? Like, if you're plan, do you plan for a thousand people on your game, uh, or like? Like what makes like how do you plan? How does one plan for scalability for their game? And does it depend solely on the game, or is there other factors that come into play? No, there is a, a, a other factors that comes into play. I mean, uh, all game developers want their game to go big, be a hit. So, so basically, what you need to do is you should plan, try to plan for that. But uh, the cool thing is that you don't have to to buy that from the start. Because you can easily start with something small and then grow as your game grows. The only thing that you need to do is that before you go or come to launch is that uh, uh, you start gathering a bit of, of the metrics uh, and test a bit on load to see how your game works. So, so you know, for example, collecting resource usage of the end of an end user, you know, how much CPU, how much memory, how much disk, and so on and so forth. You know, how much resources, how much, how many IOs, you know, how much resources that, that does a user use? Because that can also, you know, first of all, it can help you tailor, you know, the infrastructural and server needed, uh, and, and how actually the servers build up so that you can get more users on lower resource usage, uh, being more cost efficient. And of course, you can also uh, here start discovering your bottleneck so you know when you have to scale because it's important. Uh, scaling is easy in the sense of if you have planned for that, the scaling can happen, meaning that you have uh, made sure that your databases are scalable and you know that your game servers are scalable, load balancers, if you need that, and maybe other servers uh, that are running other types of services, that all of these are scalable from the start. So there is no you know, single point of failure that everything can scale out. And that is what we will help you with as well. Look into that. You know, make sure you know, if you're using NoSQL, make sure that it is sharded, right, for example, uh, so, so that it is ready for, for, for scaling. So you start with a small environment, and but you have made it ready for scale. And that means, uh, uh, because you also know the bottlenecks, uh, you know how much resources your user use. That means that you could basically scale it automatically without giving a second look. So when you do all that pre-planning, even if uh, you have uh, things, you know, even if you have millions of users in 48 hours, everything works. Okay. And that, uh, so... so it's about planning for it, you know, planning for 100 users, planning for 1,000 users, planning for 10,000 users, planning for 100, a million, 10 million, knowing what is required to uh, operate a game with that many users. Okay, so maybe you don't reach a million or 10 million. That doesn't matter because it kind of hasn't cost you anything to, to do the planning, just a bit of time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, okay, yeah, time costs, sure. But that cost is not even a percentage of what it will cost you if if your game starts going uh, or blow up uh, in the initial phases. You know, when your game blows up in the initial phases, you lose a lot of money. Where do you, where do you find the biggest bottlenecks happen, though? Is it on 
the server side? I mean, if you can't scale fast enough, or is it on a lot of times on the software side, whether you know they're calling some update a thousand times a frame or something? Does that usually happen, yeah, or where do you see usually that the biggest no, bottleneck? It varies a lot, you know, <laughs> that, that, that it, 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 because I, you know when, when you guys code, uh, uh, it's personal, right? It's it, it's a, it's kind of like a footprint on how you write your code or a fingerprint, I guess it's more correctly, when you write code. So the bottlenecks happen in different areas. We have seen different things, you know, for example, a lot of unnecessary database requests, for example. Yeah. That limits the, the, the database, right? Uh, it limits, limits the throughput, meaning that you're, you're sure you can scale and you put more power in, but it's, you know, it's, if, it, if these calls, you know, use a lot of time, you're not getting rid of it, you know? If you have calls to the database that runs through all possible uh, cycles, querying all uh, entries, you know, to, to get to where they need to go, it, it, that takes a lot of time and that influences a lot on the, the gameplay experience at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Eric, so, um, do you have any interesting or funny story that you would like to share with our listeners about yeah, this? Yeah, I was about to think of that too. <laughs> yeah, any, yeah. any like heroic victories, you guys? <laughs> exactly. Like the servers are down <laughs> like, for this big game and it's um, 100 million users now. And we I think go in. it in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there is a few stories, uh, but uh, you also have to remember that, uh, you know, companies that come to us all are under NDAs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I cannot mention names uh, or nothing what? like that. But w one story, uh, which I thought was a bit funny, uh, and <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily because of the problem, but, but how it was solved, I think. Because it, this was the day before Christmas, a few years ago. This client, he, he was using us uh, for a little part of, of what he needed. You know, guess let's call it testing us out. Are we good enough for them? You know, uh, they were using somebody else for, for the other part. So the day b before Christmas in the evening, I was walking around with my wife and kids in, uh, in the shopping mall. Uh, you know, shopping for Christmas, some, you know, things that you have gotten earlier, right? Uh, mm -hmm. There's always something. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, so <laughs> basically, uh, I get this call. I'm in the middle of the shopping mall, and I, I, I would think that our shopping malls are the same as yours during Christmas. It's packed, right? It's, it's so crowded that you won't even believe it. And he calls me up and screaming, Eric! <laughs> 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 My shit is down. <laughs> you know? I bet you get those reactions a lot, though. <laughs> Everything is black. <clears throat> Nothing works. You know. <laughs> and, and this is a, a Christmas and the holidays. There, that is, you, you know, a good period for game companies, right? I mean, right. Uh, uh, you, you make money there during the holidays. <laughs> so he was, of course. I think, you know, very, way into the red zone and he couldn't fix it. So basically what we had to do, because he was on another one. So what we had to do, we had to move everything over to us on that day. Uh, and you're now talking day before Christmas, it's holidays, right? So we ended up 
sitting in a shopping mall, moving servers, getting things online on our systems, you know, trying to get in on their uh, servers and actually extract data. But luckily, there was a backup separate that we could do because you did, we didn't get access because uh, uh, they had actually shut him down. That, so he didn't have access even. You know, mm-hmm. no IPMI access, no, no no SSH, no nothing backdoor. So we had to you know, use another backup and uh, it was quite crazy. But the funny thing is I'm sitting in a shopping mall with a shitload of people on my phone and my techies are sitting elsewhere, right, but not at the office and not at home with, with laptops and doing this. And, and, and what, what, what struck me was, which I think is a bit funny, is how much power there is in a single laptop with a 4G yeah. uplink. <laughs> you know, I, it's crazy what you can do with that. That was, the for me, the, a bit funny because the, 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 obviously you had to be there to laugh over it, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, you're sitting in, in such places and you're fully operational. Yeah. You know, it kind of goes into... That your game is you're entering a virtual world, right? I mean, you're entering a, a virtual domain, and but it's kind of true for the businesses as well. We don't, we are not necessarily following the old paradigm of having needing to have an office. All people go there. I mean, you could sit anywhere and develop a game or operate a game as right. long as you have a internet access. Yeah, that we talked about it before. The, just games is an industry. I mean, even you talked about apps and websites, but games are still singularly like a, one person can create Minecraft in his bedroom and yeah. <laughs> sell it for two billion dollars. You know, like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can change the world if it, because the game is a condensed thing and it can be exactly what it is, and it's just within the scope of just one person. But it, 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 we think about that stuff all the time. The power, the power we have. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> But it's kind of cool as well, I think. It, it, you know that, that what you can actually do uh, 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 with this, and so I mean that was one story that I thought was uh, you know pretty cool. I mean another one which kind of I use as an example to, to you know to show that sometimes what we can do is actually very fruitful, and that was when you, we did some application optimization monitoring for for a client of ours, basically, but you just doing a few changes he first he doubled his throughput and then uh, by employing number our our new imp- uh, second improvement he quadrupled his throughput Phew. so you're I mean, saying so by optimization means- you actually like helped them analyze the parts of its code and they changed it around and to work better with your service yeah basically it managed him to have uh, uh, double the amount of users on same amount of resource, and then double it again on the same amount of resource used. That's impressive. That is as a, you know, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> <laughs> if I can give you, you know, double, that's amazing. You know, and that's the kind of help I even mentioned. Or I mentioned earlier talking about how. Game developers don't know what they're doing with some of these things somehow. You know, you just wade into that. That's the kind of help that's really neat. That the fact that, well, I mean, if you're providing APIs or whatever mm-hmm. you do, like, hey, I can do the calls and stuff, but I don't know if I'm doing this right. Mm-hmm. So having the optimization in there is key because then you can actually 
you know, get rid of those bottlenecks that I'm sure I would cause with all my horrible code. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it, it's you, do, you never get rid of bottlenecks. You just move them. Right. <laughs> you move them down of the line, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. you move, the goal is to move them to a place where you can put money into it, right? Like yeah, once exactly. it gets optimized, then you can scale with servers and other things. And But you don't want it to happen where it's, you know, you can't do anything. No, with I, the bottleneck in code, you can't, you know, add, like you said, you can't add money to that no, it's, effectively. It, 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 it's, uh, I find it, uh, you know, always interesting looking at the games that are deployed today. I mean, look at all the games that you have tried. Many of them you have tried and uh, play on launch dates. Just think back how many disconnects and not able to reach server and 404 errors you have gotten. When you try you play you know try to reach the game, mm-hmm. I mean that goes into this stuff, you know it goes into the scalability, the bottlenecks, the resource usage, uh, amount of users at the same time, all these different things you know that is one of the reasons why games continue even today, you know you see that but they continue to get these uh, uh, messages, especially around launch dates, when, when a lot right. of users want to get in, oh, I want to play the game now, and you can't, right? And you get angry as hell, you start writing your customer <laughs> service, what the fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that is, it's annoying. I'm a hardcore gamer myself. I play a lot, even today, even though I'm getting older I and get beaten like hell by the young kids. But <laughs> well, it kind of jades you as a consumer because I mean, you're the way the hype train of those games works. If they a year out, they're like, you got to get excited for this game. Preloaded in Steam, it's going to be ready. And then it, like a Sim City or a you know, a, I think the Halo, the Master Chief Collection had that problem too. Like it launches, and then like the servers don't work for the first couple yeah. of weeks. You're like, that's horrible. And there's a this is Microsoft. You know, yeah. if they can't yeah, do it, you know it's a hard problem. Yeah, it it kind of begs the question, like, is is are those type of things, are they all just inevitable or is it preventable? Like these server crashers are unavailable servers or, you know, being timed no, out no, every single... It, it, it is actually possible to solve this. Uh, but one of the things is, is that this area, you know, the, the, the hosting part... I mean, you you have probably said said it yourself, or you have heard your other people in your companies. Oh, another hosting company. Hosting is a bit lower on the hierarchy when it comes to what you think about as a developer. Uh, you think about user acquisition. You think about quality controls, QNR, translations, localizations, solving bugs, testing the games, and marketing of the game, user acquisition, if I didn't mention that. Payment services, of course, is needed uh, because you need somehow to get the money in. But hosting uh, is often looked as a pure expense, kind of like a evil necessity. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I am paraphrasing a bit uh, for the <laughs> scary factor here, but uh, <laughs> well, it feels like it's a tough business too because it's a it's determined by perfection. Like if it's working, it's like film editing or something. If you do a masterful job, nobody notices what's happening, yeah, but they yeah. only know when you screw up and you only get the blame. You never get any. Well, this networking is working great. You're just like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah it's good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, I that guess it's true. because of the standard that they have now with the evolving of the technology. And one of the, is this true? That, I mean, I don't know, help us with this story. Like I always hear with those big game launches when they, 
you know, have so much trouble. They always say like, it's a cost thing. Cause basically it, I mean, it's their own fault because they have this hype machine and they get so many people to buy the game. And on that first week, they're going to have the peak number of players more than they ever will have. And then like, a, it's just like a sharp decline after that, even if it's a popular game. And their argument yeah. is always that, well, we can't scale up for one week because it's too, it's not cost effective. And then, you know, scale back down to what it would be. So there's that's, yeah, exactly. I've heard that as part of the argument that it's inevitable in some ways, because unless you just want to spend the money and don't care, is that, is no, there any but, truth to that or? Yeah. The, uh, what you're saying is a hundred percent true, but also not entirely contract correct. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so the point is that, yes, you cannot build infrastructure for the first weeks uh, be, because it's insanely expensive and you're not going to have that many users or concurrent users. I mean, because you're basically building based on concurrent users, right? Because the, mm-hmm. it's the concurrent users that actually uses resources. You know, the other ones are just dormant. They, they I mean, they come in and they play, but other leave, right? So, so, so uh, you always look at the concurrent user. Basically, if you were to build your own infrastructure to handle these first weeks, you know, cost-wise, business-wise, you're going to uh, take on a huge cost. The problem is is that the cost doesn't scale after the few first weeks. Then the cost is too high compared to your income. Mm-hmm. So, but there are solutions to this. It's still quite new, though, but uh, it has been around because it is possible to scale this correctly. So meaning what you do is you have, of course, predictions. So what you do is you build a baseline infrastructure that will handle what you think is your baseline numbers. So the the kind of the mature normal numbers you will end up on after the the, the first uh, hype of the game, kind of after you have hit the peak and the game starts going down and a bit up and maturing levels, right? Uh, you have all seen the curves. Basically, what you do is you look at that. Okay, this is what we think. And then you go, you know, maybe 20, 30% down from that because you don't want to overshoot. There's no, because it's no need for that. And then you, so then you have found your baseline. And this is what you invest in. So this is the infrastructure you invest in because that is the best cost-wise because this is going to be cheapest in the long run. And then what you do is you utilize hybrid clouds. Basically, the peaks, you offload them to public clouds around. And and we have systems for that. Not everybody does, but we have. So basically, you offload the peaks uh, so that you make sure, and you do that automatically, so that you make sure that you always have enough computing power for handling your peaks. The cool thing about that is that that scales perfectly because you pay by the hour. So uh, when you have the peak hours, you pay for it, but then it, uh, then you don't use it anymore, and then it, the cost goes down. So it follows the it follows the, the the you know the line of your game, the amount of users perfectly. And what you do then is as as your game matures more and more, you build out your baseline. So remember I said that you go 20, 30% down from it in the start, but then you, you build it up a bit to, uh, if you need to, or actually uh, take it down a bit if you have to as well, because that's normally possible, or use wh- whatever access you have on, on the baseline as a good first scale, but as long as it's not too much. So by do, doing this, you get uh, the perfect combination between cost, performance, and scalability. 
Mm. Eric, um, there's a, is there a name for this type of service just in case our listeners want to um, look into it? Yeah, gamehosting.com. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember Eric was Eric was talking to us offline about that. Well, I think Eduardo was a hybrid cloud, and he was telling yeah, us yeah. like how the you know there's the public cloud, which is like the, the Amazon web services or Amazon services or you know some Google services, and then the private would be more like um, you know some in-house or like game, like you said, gamehosting.com that could host it, you know, more of the, like, I guess the foundation of your hosting. And then on those peak times, I guess you would offload to something like Amazon or, or Google or some other public yep, hosting. There, there are so many of them today. You know, today you have, just in the US, you have hundreds of public clouds and many of them you haven't heard about, but many of them are really, really good. Uh, but of course, what you have heard about is Amazon, Azure, Microsoft, uh, and Google Cloud. You probably also heard about software, I mean, IBM software, sorry, and maybe a few others. But there are many of them, and there are many of them dif depending on region around the world. But this is also the knowledge that you can get from us because we have done all this research. We know where to use, how to set up, and how to set all of this up in any region in the world. So basically, it's about doing the combination uh, between private cloud, which, uh, we, we, we which is cost-efficient, uh, you have full control, and all the resources are dedicated to you. Uh, and then you have the public cloud where you share all the resources, have no control, and less security. You know, when you start bridging these two, you call it hybrid cloud. Okay, hybrid cloud. That's what yeah. I was... Asking yeah. for. Thank you. Gotcha. So I, I, we've talked a lot about like planning for, you know, planning for your network game and scalability. One thing that I was curious about is like if there were like some practical or some tools that we could use on maybe or I don't know what you guys use on the server side to analyze or get some statistics about throughput or user, uh, you know, connections or you know, any of that kind of stuff that some some tools that are actually used. Maybe you could tell some of our listeners about Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a question that goes a bit beyond my pay grade, though. But uh, um, <laughs> it's you know you're into the te real uh, high tech stuff. Uh, but yes, there are tools that our techies use, you know, uh, to help with this. And I think there are several of them actually. I don't remember the names. Okay. So so don't arrest me if I'm wrong on this one. But I think one is New Relic. Oh, New Relic? Okay. Yeah, that, that, that actually helps you find out a lot of things, but not in all cases, though. You know, it depends on, on, on what type of game you have and what you need to monitor. But New Relic helps in some areas, and there's also something that I think was released by Facebook. That's another one, I think. But I don't remember the name. So, so sorry about that. You know, I, um, that, that is, I, I don't know the name of all the tools. I, what I do know is that they have, the, the techies have developed some stuff there on, uh, on their own, you know, what they're basically in-house stuff. And, and then they also utilize, you know, third-party stuff. Like uh, I, New, New Relic is a name that I know that has been used in certain cases. And this Facebook thing, which I don't remember the name of, has also been used in some cases. But also there are some in-house and there are some others. But you know, th this is information that we could help with in that case uh, as well. Gotcha. Awesome. So yeah, I, I feel like uh, I think I've um, 
asked all the questions and I feel like you've given some awesome responses that our listeners are going to really vibe well with. I don't know if Eduardo or Andrew have anything else to ask. No, I'm fine. Okay, cool. Work over, work over. I just learned you just leave it to the experts. That's what yeah, I yeah, just learned. leave it to us. <laughs> I, I, I am less inclined to try any kind of networking after this discussion. <laughs> There's one fact, though, that we haven't talked about, actually, uh, which I was found interesting. You didn't ask about this, but, I mean, you guys play games, right? I mean, even though yeah. you're game developers. Oh, Bina games. might not, but... Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, we play games. We give him shit for not playing games sometimes, but he plays games. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the interesting facts is, uh, I think, is the knowledge of how your game actually travels from your code to the end user. Do you know that? Oh, just like a 10,000-foot view of, like, the request, you mean? Yeah, basically, so it's an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, yes, this is tech, I know, uh, but it's. It, it, I think I find it very interesting because uh, we have all had a lot of experience, a lot of problems when it comes to latency and packet loss, and suddenly yeah. you're playing your game and you are, oh, now I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him. Oh shit! What happened? Freeze lag, right? Your, your computer lags completely up, you have a freeze lag, you don't see shit, and you get killed. And then, of course, you're really frustrated as a gamer. You're really frustrated, and you start posting in the forums, what's about this lag, this freeze lag, this, the, the game suddenly disconnected, what happens? And, of course, as a good company, the company goes back. And they check their systems. No, everything's working fine. So they uh, write back to, to on the on the forum thread and saying, "Hey, no, the, the, everything is good here. No problems. You know, no, it's probably in your end." And, and of course, some then check that. You know, oh no, I'm going to check with my broadband provider. I, uh, this is the company's fault, not mine. You know, and they go and they check with their broadband provider. No, no nothing wrong here. Everything is working fine. And then you sometimes you see these crazy forum threads on different games, games surrounding these areas. You know, people getting pissed as hell, and the companies can't do anything because they don't see anything wrong. They don't know what the problems are, and that is because actually there is a one thing that you are forgetting, and many companies do, and that is the huge electronic ocean called the internet. I mean, what you can think about is your game packet. You know, it leaves the code, the game itself, the core, goes through the database, game server, uh, switches, routers, come becoming getting to the edge of the, the network that you have control over. And then it goes on the internet. And the internet is a place that you have no control over your game packet. So basically, it gets routed to your end user and back. You know, it sends information to the user and the user sends information to the server. This is how you play online, right? Our information exchange between the end user and the servers, uh, or even peer-to-peer. -peer. I mean, it still goes on the internet, right? The point is, is that you have to think about that too. And that is actually possible to do. Because the cool thing is, is that a lot of game companies actually struggle with this today. Especially those that has a lot of users and worldwide. 
they struggle with this because you have a lot of users, but there is so many that are struggling with uh, latency issues, packet loss issues, freeze lags, lags, uh, uh, complete blackouts, stuff like this. And there is no way of fixing it, but there is actually, if you know how it actually works and it's actually, you know, the internet works on something called BGP protocol and the BGP protocol is really smart, but it's really simple. It actually says to the game packet, take the shortest route. But if, but think about this, if you, if you, if you think about um, like a city, I mean, I don't know if you guys live in a large city or not, but uh, uh, you're probably uh, dr- driven in one. And think, think about the city and how, it's, how fluent and vibrant it is. Think that you are a bird. So you're basically looking down on the city from high up and you see all the different roads and the uh, small roads and the cars and everything. What you, and, and then you think, uh, think about that you're looking on this through a 24-hour cycle. You will see that in a city in the mornings, for example, there's a lot of traffic. And even though those roads normally work fine, in the mornings they're congested. So that means that you actually uh, will not get, uh, even though it is the shortest path, the shortest road to your work, you don't get there fast enough. So, but if you're an experienced driver, you know that, okay, but I can take this side street and that side street, oh, I will save 10 minutes because I'm listening to the radio. They're telling me this street is open. No, there's a car crash there, so don't go there. And that that happens in the mornings, right? But you navigate through it with the help of radio, with the help of knowledge and experience. But normally, you know that getting to work in the morning will take time because you don't have the full view of all roads possible. And... Then, of course, during the day, there isn't that much traffic, except L.A., I guess. L.A. is constant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, I have been there, but uh, I've seen it, but uh, I hear people tell stories about it. But, yeah, it's uh, the worst. <laughs> uh, but, but then, of course, it loosens up a bit, right? I mean, traffic flows naturally. Uh, much better, goes faster. But so, if you then draw things back to the internet, the internet is the same. It's it, it's a, it's a fluent entity and very vibrant, and consists of a lot of different roads and routes that your game packet has to travel through. But the point is, when it it's being released to the internet, there is no control over the game packet where it should go. So it it, it tries to show its path, but when, if it hits a queue or a congestion, it will still continue to send that way because it thinks it's the shortest path because it doesn't consider latency. This BGP protocol does not consider latency and packet loss because you don't need that for other appliances or applications than, than games. I mean, most applications out there can work on much higher latencies and also withstand much higher packet loss percentage than games can, you know? So basically what happens is that if you also consider that, and there is ways of doing that, and of course, yes, we have a service for this, which is quite unique, but that is also something that you should think about when you make your games and what regions you want to target and where you should put your game infrastructure, I mean, that's yeah, one thing, but there's also a lot of other technical details to this that is because it is actually now possible to take control over these game packets. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's great that you mentioned that because that's uh, really an issue. In my case, I experienced it playing fighting games when you press the button to punch the other guy and it doesn't do anything and you're... Uh, you're destroyed. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, uh, it's that's funny. an issue. We've, we've talked about this, I guess, a little bit in our networking uh, episode. And it, it's just like like you were saying, I guess there's two two sides to, this, to the coin. And one is the developer side where, you know, you can limit, you know, how often you send uh, packets out from your game or the, uh, the amount of data you're, you're trying to stuff in a packet. Um, but then, like you said, there's the other side, which is more of the networking side, which is something that you guys are really good at, at handling. And that's, you know, how, you know, helping, you know, your game packets find the, the right route, if you will, to its destination through all the traffic and beating morning traffic and using Google Maps instead of Apple Maps, et cetera. So I feel like, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a gold mine of, of, of truth to that. And just that's going to be really helpful to think about when you're developing networking games. Um, so yeah, like, like Eduardo said, that was an excellent point to bring in before we, yeah. Yeah, no, most because if you studied computer science, you know that this is a really tough problem. Mm-hmm. That's finding the shortest path. So. Yeah, but there's a, you have to remember, there's a difference between shortest and fastest path. Yeah. Well, meaning shortest, uh, talking about the speed. If it's faster this way, it would be uh, shorter than another place where it's slower. Eh, it's just interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Exactly. No, it's an interpretation. Uh, and that's why I, I have a lot of fun with that, actually. When I have my conversation and talks and everything, it's always fun to start talking about short and fastest. What is actually the definitions? <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I guess before we head out, I, a quick question. Are you playing any games? Is there a particular game that you're playing, uh, Eric, that you would like to talk about? Just uh, a game that you're excited about or you've just been hooked on for the past? Oh, games that I'm hooked on. Okay. Uh, so I was hooked on Monumental Valley for, for a phone. Interesting. I like that. I am also playing games like, oh, well, there's so many, you know. Currently, I've been playing a little bit. Uh, I've been, um, I think it's in in open alpha, actually, Critical Ops uh, from uh, Critical Force Entertainment. I've been playing that a bit. It's like a, 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 they're trying to do, you know, do an FPS uh, real time for mobile. Of course, I've been playing a mobile strike to figure that one out. And <laughs> War of Warships, and you know, this is, of course, mobile, a lot of it. But when it comes down to hardcore sh- stuff, I am uh, play uh, City Skylines, uh, for example, from for st- strategy and city stuff, mm-hmm. a- and a bit of the other strategy games from Paradox as well, actually. Uh, awesome. So, I mean, I just have to point out that I think at least two of the games that you mentioned were all made in Unity. That's Monument Valley. <laughs> and they were our Game of the Weeks, too. And they were our Game so. of our Week, so <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> no. But of course, also then you have the big ones, you know, FIFA, for example. I love playing FIFA. Mm-hmm. But I'm, a, I'm a soccer nut, though. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you again for joining us on the show and, and lending your expertise and talking about game hosting and what you've been you all been doing there. Uh, I've had I've enjoyed really enjoyed this uh, um, this episode and this interview. So I'm pretty sure our yeah. listeners will enjoy it as well. 
So thank you, thank you, thank you again for being on the show, Eric. No, thank you no, guys thank for you. having me. Thank you for having me. It was a, it was a really fun. I, I bid you all good night. All right, have a good one. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. one hour conversation and didn't record yeah. shit <laughs> <laughs> oh man wonders <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>